Welcome to today's podcast. We're rolling before 3 o'clock, 1.53 in Podcastville, Podcast Lana, as Bethany said last Friday. Hello, audience. It's Wednesday, January 11th. Uh, we were not scheduled, I was not scheduled to record today, but I felt moved to share something with you. I'm not going to lie to you and say this is going to be the quickest, shortest episode ever because uh, I just get to rambling, which is the beauty of podcasts as opposed to radio. Uh, when I first got started in radio, they only wanted you to ter- talk like a certain length of time, 30 seconds. Even if people wanted to hear more, some bosses were like, shut it down after 30 seconds. Uh, I want to play for you this moving thing in just a couple of moments. Like I said, we weren't scheduled to record today. My friend Mary Bill Yu will be on tomorrow, next week. I was already working up some questions for UT's new-ish athletic director, Brian Blair, will be on. Talk a lot of college sports and college things in general and ask him what the best barbecue he's ever had is because he left his smoker wherever he moved from and he was devastated by that. A couple of quick things first. I've told you before, I don't have the patience to travel. I was late to seeing that the FAA like got hacked or something this morning. There was a computer outage. I don't know if it was a hack or not. Um, there are thousands of flights that are smooth and you never hear about. It's like you don't hear about the good news. You only hear about the bad news. There are thousands of on-time flights, extra seats, people treated well. But in the wake of the Southwest nightmare and uh, like nobody being able to fly this morning, I'm just not willing to take that tiny risk. Eric, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. If you want to experience things, you've got to stretch yourself. I know that. But what if I don't want to stretch myself? What if I'm totally fine with the way I am? Oh, by the way, the way I am. Uh, I'm on day eight or so of going back to Cymbalta. Um, I have really had to push through some lethargy, not like when I was on it, the highest dosage back in up to summer of 21, um, where in the afternoon, I just wanted to fall asleep right here in front of the control board. But there is a little sleepiness, uh, not, not fatigue, a little sleepiness, a little lethargy that I really got to push through to get out of bed in the morning. And, uh, like last night when I got home, I forget it was, it was around dinner time. I was thinking, I could go to bed right now. So I'm going to wait another couple days to see if I I can't shake that off or we'll have to uh, reach out to Dr. Sean and go, hey, this is the deal. Do you want to pull this dosage down or bump up the Wellbutrin to give me some of that energy back? Because amazingly, or whether it's just coincidence or small sample, I went back on the Cymbalta because I think it addressed underlying anxiety better than the Vibrid. I didn't recognize the anxiety. I didn't even know it was there. It just manifested itself in these ridiculous strains, which again, coincidence, small sample, I have not had since popping that Cymbalta back down my mouth, in my throat. So that's how I'm feeling with that. Um, I was with Jaden today. Uh, I had the the morning free. Uh, I knew Jaden was going to TSA to speak to a video class. I'm like, hey, who's taking you? So I, I picked him up from school and we went. Uh, I was talking to his mom. She was talking at me. Hi, Linnell beforehand. She was asking me where to donate some things. And I I knew some places, but I got me to thinking. My brother takes Phoenix there 
many weekends of the year. So it's not just the spring and summer thing. And I know we have a ton of garage sales here. Um, you can't go a mile in the area in the spring and definitely in the summer without seeing a fluorescent piece of poster board saying garage sale this weekend, driveway sale. Do we have flea markets here? That's different from like the mommy antique mall. When I think of a flea market, let's think, so uh, let's say the UTMC parking lot. Uh, the, the UTMC uh, Saturday flea market where a bunch of vendors come out and you have tables. It's like a, a collective garage sale. Do we have those here? Because I'm a little jealous when Paul and Phoenix go because more often than not, he's sending me pictures of Transformers and things that I might want to buy. I would want to buy your stuff. I just don't want to go house to house all over neighborhoods and communities during garage sale season. What else? Um, this was interesting. You know, we, we don't touch on these these bigger stories um, a whole lot, but this caught my eye because sh- food shopping is near and dear to my heart. In fact, Noelle, my niece, uh, she has begun, began walking. And you know what she walks with? A shopping cart. That's like her walker. And you know what? I don't know if, if Paul and Tracy, and, and they've talked about it yet, but maybe that's a little bit of my mom. The avid, ardent, relentless food shopper. Well, if that's a little of little Natalie in Noel. Uh, there's a Dutch supermarket chain which has created super slow checkout lanes for people, mostly elderly people, but others who are lonely, who want to talk to somebody. They encourage you to stop and chat and take your time. Now, this would drive me absolutely nuts because there's a couple of places, the gym and the supermarket, where I'm on a mission, like. We're on a, I'm on a schedule in my head. There is a route going from place to place, like within the building. I don't want to be interrupted. Like when somebody comes out of nowhere because I'm walking so fast and they don't see me at, at Kroger or wherever, and they, they almost hit me with their cart. They're, they're incredulous and they want to know where I came from. Like, did, did he appear out of thin air? I'm like, no, it's good. You didn't see me. I'm on a mission. I don't want to talk slow at the supermarket, but I think that this is a wonderful idea as the phrase is being used more often and not at all inaccurately. There is a mental health crisis across this planet. There's also a housing crisis. Every time when we talk, when Alex and I get into like serious issues like crime and mostly crime, um, like the guy in South Euclid who's been arrested 70 times how is that possible? I couldn't get arrested 70 times if I tried. I've never had handcuffs on. I've been questioned by the police. I've gotten some speeding tickets, traffic tickets, but never, never arrested. And then the guy today from the Super 8 who was like running all over 280 and some schools closed in, in Northwood, uh, the Wahlbridge exit on 280. And I had only read the tweet that said he ran up a pine or the, the, the suspect had ran, has run up a pine tree. I didn't know what it was. I was I was late on the story. I thought, are the police chasing a squirrel? Is the squirrel a suspect? Uh, when it comes to crime, as you know, with our guests and Alex, we know that a lot of it would go away if we did better with poverty. I had a quick chat with uh, a good friend who I met through the Suicide Prevention Coalition last Thursday at Lourdes. And I was telling her about an article 
uh, that I've referred to here. Uh, I think it's from, no, it was by phillyvoice.com. And I've saved the piece and I go, it's a couple summers old. I think I have this right. The city of Philadelphia is working with a couple of blocks in a rundown neighborhood to fix it up. And they want to use it as an experiment to show you that if you fix something up, if people have pride in where they live, the crime, in the same way that broken windows and rundown houses attracts crime, neighborhoods that are kept up, homes that are taken care of, streets that are fixed, are a repellent for crime. So, poverty. How can we fix that? Um, tied into that is housing. You know that it's been very, very expensive. Um, we talk about it with Alex, whether it's rent or a mortgage. It's been really expensive. I cannot believe some of the rents people have told me for how many ever tiny square footage feet and how long. It's just outlandish. There used to be a time where people used to scold me saying, do you know for for that rent, you could have like a mortgage of a place that's twice the size? I know, but I also don't want to shovel or do landscaping. And I might leave. I, I move a lot. But those those rents have doubled. Um, and obviously the cost of houses as well, the, the, the shortage of them. And that's the thing here. Um, I have come, when I read these articles about the housing crisis, which there is, it's because I think the number's like a million. It's not 10 million. It might be 500,000. It might be a million. It might be 1.5 million. But we're short of homes here in this country. We're short of places to live. That's why there's a housing crisis. That's why there are people without homes. That's why places can charge so much for you to live there because there's scarcity. And even we know supply and demand, when there's not a lot, they can charge a lot. And the other part that I have forgotten of the, these pieces that I've read that, yeah, there was a point in time, and I think it was after the Great Recession, where we just stopped building. And as we got short on those homes, even before the pandemic, we had a housing crisis. And all this stuff is tied together. Um, so I'm happy to see that Ark Restoration, uh, Ambria and her husband, Kevin, Ambria just won uh, a milestone award with the YWCA for what she's done in the community as a business leader with ARC. I think it's ARC Restoration. Uh, she worked in the Wonder Bread Factory and more places. She and another place will be getting residential units, 400 of them. into. Do they call it the Four Corners? Uh, the Spitzer and Nicholas Buildings? And then the other two. I don't know what those are. The Spitzer Building is right down the street from where uh, PJ's Deli used to be and across from the Huntington Center. So those corners being developed. More places to live. More people have homes, more affordable housing. When people have homes, there's let they're not scraping by to do crime and things like all oh, of this is woven together. And there's 350 million people here. And we're not the only country with this kind of problem. Um, but there are a lot of things woven together. And it seems daunting. Like it's too daunting for me. So I'm glad there are people like Ambria and others, Sheena Barnes, who was here yesterday, who are tackling these problems. I don't have the patience, but I will connect people to get these things solved. It's not one silver bullet. Unfortunately, it's like a Gatling gun of silver bullets to make where we live better. I hate, like hate award shows. Alex texted me texted me last night and I saw things popping on my timeline from my friend Justin who was a movie wonk. Alex said she was in tears because Angela Bassett won for Black Panther. And I think I of all the... TV movie ones, Golden Globes has been the most interesting to me. That's the one where they drank. It wasn't on the air last year. 
I thought we had hit the reckoning, the precipice of no more award shows, but the Golden Globes came back, and seemingly after last night, I didn't see the ratings, maybe it'll be back, but I hate award shows. I do know that they can be entertaining. We watch them for speeches and performances. Um, they can be entertaining. They can be comical. They can be humorous. Whatever they are, they, they can provide something to us. I just think there's too many of them. And when there's too many of something, it's devalued. Sports thing, like when the college football playoff expands, uh, you, you will give more teams opportunities. More teams like TCU, who will play more teams like Georgia and be run off the field in the first quarter. The more things that are allowed in certain cases, there's devaluing. But let's get more homes, please. In fact, yes, let's have more places to live so we can bring down the value and more people have roofs over their head. I did see the speech, and I'm a little upset at myself, but I, this wasn't in, were you on your phone too much? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, because it was sci-fi-ish, multiversal. Michelle Yeoh, I like her a lot. Um, I did rent it, and I didn't get all the way through it. Maybe I was on my phone a little bit more. You know, it's not a phone thing with me. It's usually I'm not in the, in the best mood to watch something, so I can't embrace it as I would. Uh, it's a big award winner already. It will win a lot moving forward. Um, is it Kei Hui Kwan? I didn't even know until after I watched this movie where he was stellar in, that was short round. And Data from the Goonies, 40 years later. Um, I'm going to say that again if you didn't know. The guy in one of the best, most critically acclaimed movies of the last year or last five years was a short, short-time child celebrity. I don't know what happened to him after those few movies, but we all remember him jostling and giving Indy the business and Indiana Jones yelling back at him. And I loosely remember him from Goonies. That movie creeped me out. Uh, he won last night. And this is one of the things, this is one of the profound things, one of the really good things that we can get from award shows that I wish they were all this, but still there's too many award shows. Um, even if you've heard this, I want to put it to you with this perspective. I want you to listen to his voice. Kei Hui Kwan. Mr. Kwan, the pure joy, authenticity, which you know I'm a big fan of, and absolute gratitude in his shaking voice. I was raised to never forget where I came from and to always remember who gave me my first opportunity. I am so happy to see Steven Spielberg here tonight. Steven, thank you. When I started my career as a child actor in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, I felt... I felt so very lucky to have been chosen. As I grew older, I started to wonder if that was it, if, if that was just luck. For so many years, I was afraid that I had nothing more to offer, uh, that no matter what I did, I would, I would never surpass what I achieved as a kid. Thankfully, more than 30 years later, two guys thought of me. They remember that kid, and they gave me an opportunity to try again. Um, a couple things. One, I think if we're somewhat similar in age, I think we've all had that thought creep into our head. 
is this all that's meant for me? Like, have I peaked as a human, as a professional, as a parent, as a friend? I think that all that always creeps into our head. Uh, the other things, I can tell you to press on. When you when you think it's over, keep going. Maybe there's more left for you. Maybe there's more in your story. I, I can't put it better than he can. And look, maybe you want to close the book. Totally fine. What I can share with you, as I said in the preamble to, introduce, to playing that, one thing I can tell you and implore on you to have is, and, and express it frequently, show gratitude. Uh, I might be a dick of a human being. I might be an asshole. But I try to do the little things when I'm out. I might have a scowl in my, on my face when I'm at Kroger, but I'll hold the door open for you. I will say, I will clearly say thank you places, have a good day, and I just hope, like I get it, you're not paid enough and your boss is a fucking tyrant. I just hope me saying thank you or I really appreciate your help with this it turns you around for just a second or two. Like I've told you before, when it comes to tips, I always tip well, even if the service is, is lousy, because I hope that if I tip you decently, maybe that'll turn your day around and you'll pass that on to the next person. So um, one, give people opportunities as he was given and show gratitude early, often, all the time if you can.